You're listening to The Nosebag, a podcast about all things Northwestern past, present, and future. In each episode, we snack on some history tidbits, share laughs with a guest, and see what other food for thought the Packout Crate has for us. I'm Allie Burhow. And I'm Andy Burhow. Let's dig in. What do we have this time in the Nosebag Packout Crate? Well, let's take a look. So this episode, we're exploring kind of finding yourself. And I know that seems like kind of a a broad topic, but it really is how oftentimes when when people do something new, try something different, it's often a time to really kind of discover a little bit more about kind of who you are. And and I think Norwester is no different. And I guess I could share from, from a personal perspective, and I, and I think it's, it's different for each person when they come because we have a different set of circumstances. For me, when I came to camp, I didn't know anybody. I heard about it from a teacher that I had in high school. And so I wrote and I got some information and I sent my application in and then had a phone interview with David Formo and uh, got the job without, I'd never been to the San Juan Islands. I had um, never, you know, I I just knew nothing about this particular camp. I'd worked in Boy Scout camps and I'd never been in a four week camp. There was just a lot I didn't know. So for me, I think one of the biggest things was I'm the youngest of four kids. And it was the first place I had ever gone to where nobody knew me or my name or anything. I was always little Burhow. You know, somebody had always, and you know this is the youngest child mm-hmm. that you, you know, and that can be a good thing and a bad thing, you know, because there's doors get open sometimes when you have siblings ahead of you that, mm-hmm. oh, I know you and yeah, come on in and all that. So anyway, for me, it was really kind of, getting to know people and having experiences that were truly the first time I'd ever been on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, my experience is obviously different than that since you're my dad and you went to camp and nobody knew you. And um, my mom came to camp as a staff member also didn't know anybody, um, but, you know, you guys met and got married and had children and yada, yada, um, and then my brother and I ended up going to camp, so our, we're kind of that, that second generation of, of, um, already being known in the camp community, um, which there are still, many opportunities to continue learning about yourself and all of those things, even though um, both of the people that we talked to in this episode um, went to camp and either didn't know anybody or didn't know very many, maybe knew a handful of people, um, whereas I kind of grew up with the camp community and knew a lot of people. So um, even with those very different kind of origins, it is a place that fosters growth and um, self-discovery 
for most people, if not everybody. Yeah, in fact, I have a little audio clip um, from an re- interview that I did with Don Charnley, and uh, many in the camp community are familiar with Don because he's been around one of the longest connections to camp. He arrived as a camper as a nine-year-old in 1937, so in the third year of camp's uh, founding, he was there. And this is uh, just his reflection on on the impact that that being a part of that experience has been for him. I, I feel I'm the person I am because of this camp, because it it uh, gave me it gave me a, a, a direction to go in and gave me a, an aim of life without my thinking oh i got to have an aim of life and this is what it is it just happened uh so i consider myself the very very luckiest of men to have had that and end up where i am but i see this in my own children because they all went to the camp and to, to greater or lesser degree depending on which one which it had a tremendous effect on them i see that happening to my grandchildren exactly the same and I hardly wait for my great-grandchildren to start coming I think within the next two years that'll start happening <laughs> oh and I think that's going to be terrific so yeah that's 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 my personal but I I feel confident that this sort of thing has happened to many many people out there that have come to this camp and look at the history and the fact that we were closed for three years and my understanding I remember Lucy, Lucy saying this is that in the camping community Every year a camp is closed, it loses a third of its clientele. We were closed three years, theoretically we were dead in the water, but we weren't. And I think that expresses and demonstrates the quality of and the type of people that were associated with this camp or what became, what they became because of being associated with this camp. And we, not just me, but we as a great community, would not, are not going to let this camp die. And stop. We were going to continue this because it was so important to us. That, to me, is a, a breathtaking idea, a breathtaking concept that I feel very, very lucky to have been a little part of. And I should mention I recorded that back in 2009, I think. So uh, I'm sure his great-grandchildren have uh, come and, and been a part of camp. But as I said before, you know, I came new. And, and, and then every year, new campers, new staff come, and, and I think you know, many are affected. And sometimes they're only there for one summer, and they, and they kind of carry that experience uh, with them. And, and here's my theory, is I felt that, that camps in general, and, and this camp for me in particular, because um, I had worked at other camps, when you're there, you're kind of stripped away of everything else. You're, you're sort of stripped down to sort of your personality, and it's not so much of where you're from or, or any of that. You, you really got a sense of who people, what their real character. And their values. Yeah, and an opportunity to kind of shine in that way. And uh, like I said, I, I just felt outside of you know, my own family experience, you know, that, that camp community really was a group of people that I was able to bond with and continue to communicate with and have been an important part of my life, you know, even after my, my working years at, at camp have, have come to an end.
Okay, so who are we talking to today? Today, our guest is going to be Ann Ducey, uh, often better known as Deuce. And uh, so we're going to be giving her a call. She was uh, a staff member and, and supporter of camp, but let's give her a call and let her tell her story. All right. So, Deuce, it's really uh, awesome to have you join us today. We're really well, excited. Well, thanks. I was, yeah, I was really honored that you guys that you guys called me. That was awesome. This has been a really fun project for both of us. Yeah, it's been super fun. So, I think to get started, maybe just tell us a little bit about how you found camp in the first place. What brought you up to Camp Norwester? Well, it was pretty. It was pretty fluky, actually. Uh, I had graduated from college at Southern Illinois University, which is in the very tip of of Illinois, almost in Kentucky, and uh, it's pretty conservative place. And I was just working some odd jobs uh, and also volunteering at the Carbondale Women's Center, but I. I really needed to get out of that, uh, you know, really conservative part of town or part of the country. And I graduated with a, you know, degree in teaching. And um, so one day I just thought, well, I'm going to go to the library and see, you know, if I could maybe find a summer job. Because I used to be a Girl Scout camp counselor up in Wisconsin. And so, you know, I went to the library and looked at, you know, books. That's what we used to do back in those days. (laughs) Um, This was in 1980. And um, I found this place called Camp Norwester, and which was kind of um, coincidental because when I, my first year of college, I was at University of Oregon. And my boyfriend at the time was this guy, <clears throat> Fred Ellis, whose father owned a lot of property on um, uh, Shaw Island. And he had been a counselor at this place called Camp Norwester. And I remember seeing a picture of all the staff on his um on his bedside table and I was like wow what a cool place you know they're all wearing a couch and sweaters which I hadn't known about but I thought wow this is cool and he told me a little bit about it and uh so when I went to the library and saw this place it was like oh my god this is Fred's camp and so anyway I thought well I'm just gonna write a letter and I applied and uh, I think this was in January and I was accepted which I couldn't believe it you know, I had talked about my experience at the Carbondale Women's Center doing problem pregnancy counseling and being a Girl Scout camp counselor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And my Girl Scout leader was my mother. But anyway, so uh, she said, yeah, we're going to offer you a job. And I was like, I was just thrilled to death. So I remember thinking, well, I've, I've got to get out of here. I'm never going to come back. So I packed up my car, a 1966 Rambler, um, and I drove across country this was uh in uh middle of may end of may that summer and um i remember the the day that i got into washington state the uh volcano blew up and i thought oh wow this is god this is (laughs) quite the place here uh but luckily all the ash went east so it wasn't an issue but um yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. It was going north on I-5 and finding Anacortes 
But anyway, I got to camp and drove into the parking lot. And I remember walking up to the lodge and there was a lot of counselors already there because this was staff training day. And I remember as I was walking up the stairs, everyone turned to look at me like, oh, who's this? And it was silent. No one said anything because obviously they didn't know me. I didn't know them. And so I just kind of hung out and someone else walked up beside me and it was, I think it was Stelter was Katie Stelter and everyone just erupted in like, Oh, wow, wow, wow. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. It was like, and I thought, okay, this is okay. This is very, very interesting. Um, but anyway, I sat down uh, with a couple of staff that were off to the side and I could tell that they were kind of new. And I found out that I been hired as the troubadour counselor and I really wasn't sure what that meant. And so pretty soon people were saying hello and what's your job and, you know, where are you from? And uh, anyway, I said, I'm, you know, and from, you know, Illinois and I'm the troubadour counselor. And uh, several people said, what? You're, you're the troubadour counselor? Well, when were you last here? When were you a camper or a counselor? I said, no, I've never been here ever. This is my first time ever at this place. And uh, later on, I, I kind of got the idea that that was something that was for uh, maybe second, third, or fourth year counselors. But anyway, so I was pretty, I was pretty um, psyched about the job that I was working for the oldest girls. And, um, <clears throat> and I remember meeting Peter Green, and I think he was the Mountaineers counselor. And uh, I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be cool. And he just said, okay, look, I got this whole thing down. You're just going to, you know, you just do what I tell you, and you're going to get, you're going to get the, the, the best activities. Uh, I just felt that this was, that the whole, everything about it was just so incredible. The property, um, the people, Jack and Jan, they were amazing. Anyway, that's a very long, long uh, answer to your question. So you got hired as a unit staff. Is that what you had applied to do, or did you just apply to be work at camp? At the, I just applied to work at camp, and I really don't remember if I had just been applying as a unit staff <clears throat> because I did tell Jean that I had experience as a waterfront director um, at the Girl Scout camp. So I had no idea, really, what I was going to do until um, – I think I actually got there. So how many years did you end up working at camp, um, and what jobs did you do while you were working? Well, in 81 in 80, uh, and 81, I came back in 81, I was troubadour counselor for those two years. Uh, and then I, unfortunately, I got a real job working for the city of Seattle in the fall of 81. And, and then... So I, I couldn't come back to camp um, for for a few years until 86. Uh, and then I asked City Light for a leave of absence, which they gave it to me. And I applied to be the head counselor, which I, so I was head counselor in 86. And uh, it was myself and Richard Carter. He was the program director and I was the head counselor. And back then there was only one head counselor. So our, our, topic today is just about finding yourself, that, that so many of us have stories about just that somehow coming to, to, to camp and, and being in that place brought a new perspective to our lives or, or made us see things a little bit differently and how 
And I think everybody has a story. And, and you know, when we were doing the research for this particular podcast, I thought of you because I remember at one of the events on John's Island, you speaking just very eloquently about yourself and your story and, and being really moved by that. So that's why you know we thought of you when we were talking about who would be fun to talk to, not to mention that Inducey is always great fun to talk to. Um, so maybe how has camp kind of had an effect or an influence on your life? Well, I think when I first came to camp that, that summer, um, I never really felt, I mean, pretty much in all my life up till then, I really never felt that I could really express myself fully. Um, you know, the, the silly, excitable, you know, just fun-loving, crazy part of me that um, I actually didn't realize until I came to camp that I had always suppressed. And it was like, wow, here is the first time that I can just, I can be silly and funny and, and you know, speak up and um, just say whatever, and people were like, "Oh yeah, this is great. You yes, you you are one of us." And I felt so accepted. And then, of course, when I uh, had that first unit, uh, when the kids came, and I had this amazing group of fifteen and sixteen-year-old young women, and um, oh, and my co-counselor was Rini Larufa, who I really got along with fantastically. And it's like everything, all my ideas were, were like really met with such excitement and, and verve. And like, I remember the first time we went on a, um, uh, an, an overnight and Peter Green said, get those girls out of camp for at least a couple nights because you've got to get them bonding or else they're going to be over at the Mountaineers the whole time. And I... You know, I planned, I thought, well, let's just, we'll have vegetarian stuff. And, you know, which was kind of odd at the time. I certainly wasn't a vegetarian. But the girls just thought it was, like, so cool. And, the you know, we it was a bike hike. And at first they were just all grumbling about it. All the staff kind of just got them all on a really great uh, mood, I guess, or just an attitude. And I was like, oh, my God. It was like we fed off of each other. And I had never experienced that kind of, uh, you know, com- com- camaraderie and just, um, it was effortless. You know, I didn't feel like I was in a job. It was just like all of us were, were together and just, we were just going to have the most fun as possible. And it was like, every, it was like all for one, one for all. They completely accepted me. I'd never been to camp before, but they were all like, okay, man, we're just going to have the best time ever. I had just never experienced such, uh, I don't know, I guess a, a joie de vivre and a, and a simpatico from from who I was in, in, in the deepest sense of me. So you mentioned, and, and I can relate to this experience because when I first arrived at camp, I didn't know, any, I mean, literally didn't know anybody. So, you know, how fast was that transition of, you know, walking onto the lodge porch and, and nobody knowing 
who you are or even really necessarily responding and then to suddenly like feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm a part of this group I'm in, in the sense that, that, you know, this is a place that I, that I can have a sense of belonging. That yeah, happened you know, fairly that's quickly. interesting. Yeah, actually it did. Cause I was, I was kind of, um, uh, put off at first, but I remember before I'd walked up, there was this display case. And I don't know if you remember the old display case that had nests and, you know, bird's nests and, you know, a dead spider and all this really cool paraphernalia in it, na- nature paraphernalia. And I remember being really impressed by that. And also walking by Trader Horn, which was this beautiful old, um, uh, like a log cabinish building. And so I had, you know, and, the, and of course the trees and it was just, so yes, going up the steps and realizing that no one knew me, it wasn't, it was just like, okay, all right. Um, I just had in my mind that this was going to be an amazing place. It was just that moment of, re- it was just a few moments of a little bit of uh, w- w- uh, worry before I sat down and thought, okay, we, we got some people here that are, that are pretty, that are pretty fun. And they were just as kind of bewildered as I was. So we kind of reveled in that. So no, it did not take long. How, in your opinion, does camp facilitate kind of the quote unquote real you either discovery or um, the kind of presentation of authentic self um, through either, you know, how we interact with each other, but how, how does camp as a, as a place and a feeling, I guess, facilitate that kind of self growth and discovery? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of this when I walked into camp, but I think there is something that is inherent in the Camp Norwester uh, ex- experience, it's more than it's more than ex- experience. I can't think of the word, but the whole the whole milieu is that it's of acceptance and of openness. And I think it's the staff, it's the it's the campers, it's the um, the leadership. It's something of we are going to take you as you are. I mean, that's what I see now, um, and. Uh, and I noticed it in my unit the very first summer. There was a clique of girls, uh, and a clique, not in a bad way, but a group of girls that had been to camp with each other for years and years and years. And then there was a couple of gals that were brand new. And um, as, a, as a counselor, I mean, as the um, unit leader, I was really worried about, you know, how these all were going to be integrated. And... Um, I mean, I partly set it up as part of staff training. They teach you how to, you know, bond with everybody and get everyone as a team. But the girls themselves, they were just like, hey, this is this is what we do here, is that we are accepting, we're open, we ask questions, we get to know each other. It's just what is done at camp. Uh, it's kind of an, uh, it's like an unspoken rule. And um I mean, the more that I have been associated with, I, I think that's, I mean, I, I'm guessing the Henderson set that up. I, I don't know, but it it is just a very deeply ingrained ethic that you, you show up on that property and we are going to, we're going to take you as you are. 
and we're going to, you know, revel in it and find the positive and, you know, work with it. And um, that's all I, you know, I don't know any other way of, of putting it, but there is just something in, in that, in the spirit of that place that you go there and it's like all of a sudden you're not going to be judged. Mm-hmm. You, know, and, you know, unless you unless you do something really bad, but you know what I mean that that everyone's open, yeah. everyone's going to be open to who you are, and I I just think that is uh it's it's amazing, um and I think it's rare. Obviously, you you've continued your association with camp. Can you share a little bit about some of the things that you've continued to do with with camp since your time working oh, there? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't ever go back as a staff after 86. Uh, my job at City Light just got to be too, you know, year round. Um, but I did, uh, I joined the advisory board for a few years. Uh, and then I also worked with, um, I also did staff training with uh, Peter Green and um, now, yeah, Kathy Halliwell and Peter Green, and we did a bunch. So every summer I, for four or five, maybe six years, I, I went up and did um, a module uh, in staff training on uh, group dynamics and um, and group living. And that was, I loved doing that because you kind of get to know the staff, even if you're just there for a week, you really kind of get to know the staff and be a part of camp. You still get that feeling of, of being a part of everything. Um and then I, I stopped doing that, and then I started going up for work weekends just to still be part of it. Um, oh, and then, of course, uh, my son, our son Carson, started at, at Camp Northwestern as a, as a pioneer. So I got to be part of it all during his, um, his growing up. So we were really, really fortunate to be able to have him, um, to have him go throughout the you know the whole time and then he also became staff for four years um so i mean it's just it's never not been a, a, a part of our life and now of course we're the we're the off-season gardeners and um you know carol helps build things and we've done a lot of the projects and you know like the uh composting toilet putting that together you know as part of the work weekend so um yeah, I just I just feel that I've got so many, you know, tentacles in the camp. It's very very involved. Tentacles. That's an interesting choice of words. <laughs> yeah, as if I had tentacles. I don't know, but you know, it, I it, I I like to find lots of different ways, you know, to, to stay involved. Um, just because it is, it's such a magical. Um, group of people and uh, yeah I mean you just don't you just don't find that uh, in, in in life very often all right so we're gonna come to a part now that we call kind of rapid fire so Ali's gonna ask you uh, some questions and you just have to give the first answer that pops into your brain okay okay cool are you ready cool got it yep okay. i'm ready okay favorite unit to live in troubadours 
Your favorite overnight site? Chapel Rock. Okay. Um, favorite camp meal? Grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. Um, the first camp song that comes to your mind? Away Ryo. Um, favorite activity to do with your unit? Shave our legs in the sunshine during rest hour. <laughs> That's so funny because I did that with my unit too. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Allie, I love it. Oh my god! Did you I didn't get a realize big shaving cream and put and everyone had shaving cream. Oh, that's so funny, Allie. I didn't oh my realize god, that was I... an activity that transcended generations. Oh my god, Allie, you and I are two peas in the pod. Oh my god. I oh, love so it. Funny. Yeah, my my like, Islander unit never did that. My Troubadour unit <laughs> did, yeah. <laughs> oh, Allie, I'm just so happy to hear that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay. Um, what is your favorite spot on John's? Uh, the spot overlooking the beach, past the totem, all the way at that point, and you're looking left, you're looking down at the beach, and looking right. You're looking at the coastline, and, and then a little bit behind, you're looking at the Troubadour and the, and the um, Wayfair unit. Mm -hmm. There's um, that spot kind of out there. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite time of day at camp? I would say one of the, the evening activities after dinner. Okay. And your go-to Trader Horn candy or food item? Oh, it's, it's got to be Red Vine. All right, well, you win. <laughs> You've won our prize. You've won a can of shaving cream. <laughs> and a oh, sunny afternoon. Say, and a sunny afternoon. Oh, okay. I got to say, say one more thing. Another really great, a wonderful favorite place. I wish I, could, I had said this, is that um, the, uh, the overnight is at the top of Turtleback. That is an amazing place. Yeah, love, love that place. But I'm I'm really excited about the shaving cream can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, she, well, she was, Deuce, really thank you so much for joining oh, us. Oh, you're so welcome. This is such a fantastic project, you guys. I mean, what a what a wonderful idea! I cannot wait to hear all of them. Wow, talking with Deuce is always so much fun, whether you see her in person or over the phone. She's just a hoot, hoot and a half. Absolutely. Now I, we have a surprise. A surprise. I love surprises. Our surprise is that we have a second guest. It's a double header. Cue air horn sounds. Well, well, who's it going to be? Our guest um, is Jace Murphy, who is the grounds and facilities assistant at camp right now. Um, and Jace and I actually went to elementary school and middle school together. Fun fact in Vancouver, Washington. Um, so we knew each other growing up, and that's how Jace kind of also found camp. Um, so, hi, Jace. How are you? 
you know, I'm doing great. Um, weather's fantastic here on John's. Um, makes it real easy to uh, live peacefully and happy up here. So as you probably know, our, our topic today is is about kind of people sort of discovering new things about themselves when they come to a place like Norwestern. Can you describe a little bit maybe um, what your first experience when you first arrived at camp that first summer? You know, I, I've really funny memory of that, of taking the barge over. It's raining. I arrive and everyone's like super excited to see each other. And I'm just in my mind, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. I had never even seen a photo of what was going on at Camp Norwester. You know, there wasn't a lot of options when you get hired in May. So I got um, hired as an explorer unit leader for um, the summer of 2016. Um, had two lovely co's that I hold near and dear because we, we all were so blind in what was going on. But, you know, learning together with other people that don't know what's going on makes it a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to you know, be with the Explorers for two two sessions, but that was the last summer of being two-week Explorers. So after being the Explorer unit leader, what jobs did you have and what kind of led up to you applying for and taking the grounds and facilities job? Because this is your first year doing that job. Yeah, so, you know, following the Explorer year in 2017, uh, I loved being a unit leader. So I continued to do that for the pioneers. Um, the current, that age is currently Mountaineers right now for reference. Um, yeah, so I did that, um, realizing that maybe being a unit leader wasn't, it was great, but wasn't what I was best at. So then I applied for the Trader Horn position, which I obviously got, and I was the manager of Trader Horn for a summer. Um, and then in 2019, I was I went from Trader Horn to scheduler, you know, applying skills I had learned and uh, you know taking the skill set that I had and using it effectively. Um, so I was on the summer I've been seeing a scheduler. And then after the summer, you know, it was a quirky summer, to say the least. Um, but I was really, really dedicated to uh, getting the five-year jacket for sure. Me too, man. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I applied for summer admin and, you know, second person to put it in in November. Or is it November or December? I forgot now. doesn't matter. Um, and then, you know, I knew Casey was leaving this job that he has now that of the grounds and facilities assistant. And we, we had talked and he had come down to Portland for a, uh, board meeting. Um, we had a really good conversation and, you know, just kind of, that kind of really dropped the, the idea into my mind. Um, and then I was up on, 
up on Orcas for Christmas. And I was like, I really just want to be in the San Juans. I don't want to leave this place. So, you know, I got in contact with the right people here at camp. Um, applied for it, you know, officially. Did all the official paperwork and stuff. Um, really was just inspired by, I, you know, this is definitely where I want to live. Um, and it's only just so perfect that I get to work for like the best organization ever. Okay, so I'm going to follow up on that just a little bit. What what kind of made you, you, you know, you came and kept coming back year after year. What what kind of brought you back each summer? Um, I really, really have to credit it to the community. Um, I was, you know, just someone that had no idea what was going on. I knew like four, five people. Um my first summer before meeting everyone. Um, and it was a really big leap of faith and just got welcomed so kindly. And so it, it just transitioned so easily. Um, just the community of people is just so, it's truly an anomaly to find so many like-minded people with like similar goals and also like mindset and just being like, you know, just like emotionally intelligent human beings and is, you know, truly just something that like I, I just wanted to keep coming back to. It's always such a breath of fresh air being on John's and being with people here. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Okay. Well, so maybe can you think of a time when uh because one thing we we often talk about camping, this magical experience, and when we leave, we're we're ready to go. But within by November or something, we're thinking about coming back. And um, but sometimes up there, it's hard. You know, there are hard times too. Can you oh think sure. of maybe a a time of how that that was difficult, but kind of how you got through that. Um. You know, I, I really, you know, I just have a couple of key talking points that, you know, I, I feel like are pretty connected to myself. Um, my second year for when I was a pilot unit leader, I was sick the entire summer. So, I mean, Allie can def she definitely knows. So oh, I was yeah. in there all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was ear infection, sinus infection. Um, later disclosed that I had pneumonia. Yeah, it was. I only took one day off of of work the entire summer but yeah that was definitely a very very challenging summer for me just because i had we were having you know complicated like relationship among you know me and my co we were you know definitely we weren't in perfect synergy all the time um which you know it's fine we were able to you know come to the end of the summer where we you know feel like we we did the best we could yeah, those, to say the least, a really challenging summer. Um, and then, of course, November comes around and I'm, you know, the first person to apply. My mom said uh, I was crazy, but she, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't understand about the camp, the draw. You know, I just can't, there's no way I get to take a whole nother summer again, right? Yeah, my mom didn't get it either. 
I mean, it was especially after a number of years go by where you're still going back to camp. And she's like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, I'm not sure about that. We were talking a little earlier before the, (laughs) before the podcast started with you, um, as I think our audience knows you're, you're up there right now, right? You're in the health lodge or I am. Yeah. Or your residence. I've actually, yeah. So yeah, I live in the health center, um, temporarily, obviously, um, I would, you know, barring a move for uh, summer to start, but that didn't happen this summer, unfortunately. So the health center is my primary residence. So, but we were talking about how it feels right now. You know, we're recording this in mid-June, mid-June um, what it's like with the community not showing up that, yeah, what's that been like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been it's it's just so unprecedented, and it's there's there's just no idea of any expectations because there's just nothing is being fulfilled of like normal summer. Um, it's it's definitely been tough um, not seeing people show up um, just because this is the time that all staff would be on island. Know, great bonding time going on. Um, even our projects are, got really, really shuffled for um, the, you know, as we like to say, the COVID summer. Um, just because, you know, stuff, maintenance that would have got done at, you know, right before camp starts doesn't need to happen until, you know, it can be pushed back because it's not um, necessary until next summer or, and then just like other stuff that we wouldn't normally have time to do project wise is um, what gets prioritized just because we have that, you know, possibility now. But definitely without camp happening this summer, you know, just big feelings of like, you know, just like just it's a bummer, you know, it's there's there's just this summer could have been, you know, just as great as every other one. But unfortunately, it's, you know, the circumstances makes it made it impossible yeah common sense has to prevail sometimes and yeah this is one of those mm-hmm. years even though i so want it to happen i know that it's better that it doesn't once you like write down all the things that need to happen for the camp to be able to operate it, it just makes it so clear and so um impossible um just all the different services that need to be running fully all the different locations that need to be running fully um and also then the restrictions that are like the protocols you have to go into place. And it, 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 it makes the answer for you, but it doesn't make it easier. Okay. Well, we're going to play a little game with you right now. Is that okay? It's an easy That game. is okay. It's an easy game. So Allie has just a list of questions and you just need to give the first response that pops in your head. So it's not a deep thinking okay. question. It's just a quick, rapid fire. She'll ask you a question. You give us the first thing that pops into your head. Are you ready? Of course. Yes. Okay. What is your favorite unit to live in? Islander unit. thousand percent. Favorite overnight site? 
Uh, immediately, I think Rocky Top, just because um, so many options of places to sleep and really beautiful. Don't get destroyed by the sun. Yeah, I hate waking up and you're just baking in your sleeping bag. <laughs> it's an awful feeling. <laughs> um, okay, favorite camp meal? Uh, it's definitely hot dog day. Nell Robinson's hot dog day, you can't beat it. You get baked beans, hot dogs. They even, you know, they'll have a, I'm a, I'm a lover of the, the sweet relish. It's a fantastic day. Um, what is the first camp song that comes to mind? Um, this is funny. Uh, I ride no paint. <laughs> we've, we've done it once, but, uh, I'm really, it's a song that just gets stuck in your head so fast. Um, what is your favorite activity to do with your unit when you were a unit leader? I always loved archery because then I could participate. My uh, first year, I got the coveted uh, blue arrow. It's, you know, don't want to brag, but <laughs> yeah. But it, I feel like that's one, you know, you can really participate in as well. What is your favorite spot on John's? Um, the bench below the Cook's TV or in between what has been known as Casey's TV and the Hoarder's TV. That bench. That's the bottom of the airship. What is your favorite time of day at camp? Early in the morning because the sun, it, you know, during the summer, from my experience, it's always, the sun's always up when you wake up and the sound of the birds, it's just, before you turn the generator on in the morning, you know, this is for me, obviously, like, this, the perfect sound of just nature and it, it can't be described or like captured by a video. What is your favorite or your go-to Trader Horn candy slash food? Um, I really love the peanut M&M's. Not to be confused with the peanut butter. Those ones are not as good. Just the peanut M&M's. Well, those are all the rapid fire questions that we have. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, really appreciate you being available to chat of course i love talking about camp with camp people as most of us do i'm finding that the more people we interview the more people are like i'm always willing to talk for hours about camp yeah i mean it's the best kind of people that understand exactly what you mean when you try to describe you know paradise yeah exactly well again thank you so much Jace, it was fun. Yeah, and I appreciate the invite. Well, Allie, it looks like we've come to the bottom of another nosebag. Mm-hmm. We would like to thank Ann Ducey and Jace Murphy again for coming on our show and talking about them, their lives and, and sharing some really nice things with us. Yeah, I hope as you were listening that that maybe got you thinking about how your experiences there have maybe shaped and involved um, for your life too. And I, and I also want to thank Don Charnley, whose interview clip that we played at the at the top of the show. Um, it definitely is a, an experience that um, can be very powerful. I know my decision to become an educator 
was largely formed on my experience of being at camp and, and working with kids in, in a way that went, you know what, I think this could be a good career. Yeah, so be sure to tune in next time for another tasty nose bag. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.